Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Liz Lang, well known for her namesake maternity wear brand launched in the 90s and current owner and CEO of Fig, which makes caftans and flowy dresses. I wanted to ask Liz about the learnings from her OG brand that she brought to her new venture, as well as how she's approaching marketing and distribution in this unprecedented retail climate. Welcome, Liz. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hi, Liz. I'm so glad to meet you. I have to tell you this funny story. Like back in the day, I was probably like, I don't know. I don't want to say 20 years ago, but <laughs> Liz Lang maternity at Target. Like I accidentally brought a maternity shirt. I wasn't pregnant and literally I wore it all the time. And now every time I wear something large, it's like an inside joke in the, my between my sister and I, like, is that Liz Lang maternity? <laughs> <laughs> I get, I hear that all the time. If it makes you feel better, so I mean, many people tell so me that. Cute. That's so, so cute. So nice. Thanks. Yeah. Tell me about what um what drove the original launch of your brand, nineteen ninety seven. I mean, maternity wear wasn't chic. <laughs> yeah, it was a bleak time for maternity wear. I myself had not been pregnant yet. I do today have a twenty three and a twenty one year old, but I hadn't been pregnant yet. But it was that time in my life. My friends were getting pregnant. And they all had the same complaint. They had nothing to wear. I noticed they were spending a lot of money, regardless of whether they could afford to or not, because they needed things to wear to the office. They needed to look, quote unquote, normal. Uh, so I had this sort of aha moment of there's something wrong with maternity clothing offerings. I don't think it's fitted enough. I don't think it looks, again, I don't like the word normal, but that's the best word I can think of, sort of like regular clothing What's up with that? Maybe I could do something about it with no big plans. Truly, truly, truly not. Like I never imagined what would become of the brand. And back then people didn't call themselves entrepreneurs. I didn't think about seeing white space. It was nothing like that. I just kind of started with this little idea by myself. And lo and behold, um, I ended up growing the brand. And when I sold it to private equity 10 years later, it was the largest maternity apparel brand um, in the United States due to partnerships that I had with places like Target and Nike and my own high-end flagship boutiques. Oh my gosh, I love this. Tell me about that Target partnership because um, I think, I don't know, am I wrong that this was very early in the idea of a, a diffusion brand? Um, I think maybe, was it the days or maybe after that they were teaming with Isaac Mizrahi for Target and designers such as those? As those? It was way before all that. In fact, Isaac Mizrahi, Cynthia Rowley, and Todd Oldham, these are older names, but they were huge. Um, we all came in the exact same year with partnerships. None of us knew prior to sort of arriving at Target that we were all doing that. It's not like Target told us. And before that, no designers had partnered with Target. And I had a very, very high-end line. Like my my boutiques were on Madison Avenue and on Beverly Drive in Beverly Hills and in a very fancy area of Long Island. And like happens with so many entrepreneurs, every piece of advice I got was, you'd have to be crazy to partner with Target. You've got this pristine brand that's featured in Vogue magazine, da-da-da, dressing celebrities. You can't do that. But I just kind of had this feeling that it would work, that there was something already cool about Target. People were already calling it Target. And I knew I needed the bigger <laughs> distribution. I knew that the high end of the maternity market is, is small, but that lots of women around the country get pregnant. So anyway, I kind of just took a chance. It, I, I think I was an entrepreneur without even knowing I was an entrepreneur, kind of a risk taker. So I, I took that chance with Target. We ended up signing a kind of deal that they just don't even do anymore. I had the entire maternity department ultimately. It was eight racks 
20 years with them. It was a wonderful partnership and it didn't hurt my high-end business at all. Everything kind of helped each other. And today, I think most high-end designers would basically kill for a partnership with Target or H&M or, or you name it. So it's become very much sort of the, the thing that designers do, but you're right. I, again, it sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not bragging. I think I got very lucky, but I um, it was early. Yeah, I love that. I, I thought so. Such a pioneer. Did you, uh, what was the decision tw- uh, 10 years after the launch of the brand around 20, 2007 to, to finally sell it? You know, it wasn't a really, again, like so many things, it was something that happened. Um, uh, we were out raising money at that time. We were going to roll out the high-end stores. I only had three flagship boutiques and I had this huge deal with Target. So I thought we would roll out the high-end stores, but everybody I approached weirdly wanted to buy the brand. And now looking back, 2007, it preceded that, you know, horrible sort of 2008 where the world kind of fell apart. But of course, we didn't know that in 2007. So 2007 was like the height of the bubble and there was like all this money chasing brands. So I just started getting offers left, right and center that were very attractive. And I had at that point a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. Were they that age? Or maybe, no, they were seven and nine, excuse me, seven and nine. I was, I mean, this is not something that most women admit, but like, I know it's all this, like you could have it all and you go girl. But the truth of the matter is it's very hard to run a very demanding business. I had a hundred employees. I was very committed to the business. I was working 24 seven, traveling around the globe nonstop. I had these two children at home. I just wasn't spending enough time with them. It was physically impossible. Like I, I, people always go, but it's just the truth. So I kind of felt like I had, I was at a crossroads and I needed to make it decision. And there was the money and my children on one hand. And then there was the business that I absolutely adored. Like it gave me so much satisfaction and gratification. And it was fabulous to be this successful at something. But, um, but I decided to sell. And um, I know, like, it's like, do I regret it? Don't I regret it? It was a shock after I sold it. I think I was sort of in mourning for like at least a year or two, because it was my entire identity. Um, Right. But I don't think looking back that it was the wrong decision. I think it was the right decision. I became, I didn't even realize how much I was missing with my children until I wasn't missing it. And I was like, wow, like I really wasn't focused enough. I, I my, even when I was home, my brain was someplace else. I mean, my children still like, they joke about it, how like they always knew if I was in the audience at a school assembly or something, the rare times I was, because they could see the light reflected on my face from my Blackberry. At the time, this was pre iPhones. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, so I, I know what they mean. And so that, you know, that, as a woman, that those were the yes. competing um, interests. Yes. Did you ever consider buying back your own brand? I did. Um, and I still think about it. Um, but, um, you know, uh, it felt a little bit also like that ship had sailed. I had done everything I could possibly accomplish in maternity clothing. I felt like I had been really at the pinnacle of it. I didn't know if lightning could strike again. So many things went right. I was so lucky with the moment in time and the clothing I was offering and the celebrities that were wearing. Just so many things happened that made that brand kind of skyrocket. And I thought maybe looking back on it, it was good to kind of leave that exactly where I left it. Like, like leaving a party when you're still having the best time instead right. of, what, you know, so, so instead I found myself yearning though for those entrepreneurial days to be back in the mix of fashion. Um, and I, I had started investing in some brands in some entrepreneurs that I admired thinking that would kind of satisfy that at me. But I found it didn't, but I liked it. Of course I liked it. I love working with entrepreneurs, so don't don't take it the wrong way. But that I wanted to be the entrepreneur. 
Like I didn't want right. to be the advisor, the investor, the, uh, I wanted to be the entrepreneur, but I also knew what it took. Like there's a certain naivete that I think works in your favor when you start a brand, particularly when you're young, which is I think why so many young people do start brands uh, versus older people, um, is that you kind of have to not know all the things that are possibly gonna go wrong, because everything will, and how hard it is, and how you're just pushing this boulder, and even people that you look at brands, you think, oh, they were so successful, so much happened before they were so successful. So um, when I heard that Fig, was available. It was a brand that I really admired, that I was wearing, that had already had a team in place, that I knew it had 10 years of sort of reputation building, which is very hard to do, is when I thought, aha, maybe this is kind of my next meant to be moment. Let's stop for one second and circle back to those brands you were investing in. Like, was it about the founder? Like you said, maybe they were young and hungry. What was it about? Was was it fashion brands that you were investing in? What's worthy of your investment? It wasn't just fashion brands at all. It was what you said. Like, I had to like the entrepreneur. I had to like the idea. Um, so it was everything from, I've been in two water brands, Core and Hint. It's not like I'm a huge water person, but I like those brands. I liked what they were doing. Um, in terms of fashion brands, I am in a brand called Primary, which is a kid's brand, which, you know, did resonate with me, and it's all primary colors. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in a a a, 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 a a food brand, an uh, organic food for and, and, and plant-based for young children, not for babies, but I think starting at around eight months called Tiny Organics. Um, yeah, the fashion brand that the only one that I could really say I was in that was truly fashion wasn't even really a fashion brand. It's the it's Carbon 38, uh, which has yes. been, the, yes, which has been the leading website for uh, women's athleisure apparel. Um, but it's just been a, a, you know, a wide variety of things. I'm in a toothpaste company called Rinse that, uh, Lenny Kravitz is a partner in. So you just, you just, you know, you just don't, I, it just, uh, it's been disparate, you know, just things that speak to me. Lenny, right on. <laughs> so Fig, this was during the pandemic. Like it definitely, the, the the styles seem very well suited to either, you know, staying at home or vacationing or it, they seem very timely. Tell me, um, yes, the draw, the leap, um, the risk of going there at such an unstable time. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I it's an interesting question, but of course for me, because now I realize in retrospect, I am truly, I have an entrepreneur head. Like I am not somebody that is, things don't even feel like risks to me. They just feel like, oh yeah, why not? Um, So yes, it was December of 2020, a pretty dark time. Um, However, I had the fortune, uh, the good fortune of I was living in Palm Beach uh, during the pandemic. I was living there and I was so I was spending an enormous amount of time sort of like so many. I was walking a lot. I was outside a lot. And I found myself wearing the brand Fig all the time. I had no affiliation with the brand. This was my just personal choice. My favorite easy dresses that I still felt looked like instead of being in sweatpants or even athleisure wear, to me, I felt like I looked pulled together and I was ready. It had been a year at that point. You know, we were just on the verge of 2021. I was ready to look a little bit pulled together, but I didn't want to give up comfort. I really didn't. I wanted to be comfortable and pulled together. So I was wearing Fig. So I knew that Fig kind of resonated with me. I figured it would resonate with a lot of my friends. I knew it had a lot of fans already in many of my friends. It wasn't a discovery. Um, so it just seemed perfect. I got to know their team and I loved their team. And I knew, again, how hard it is to build a team from scratch. So the fact that there were these 10 
fabulous women already in place working for FIG, uh, that they already had, you know, this wholesale strategy. There was a lot there that I was able to capitalize on. Um, and it was my firm belief that as we were coming out of the pandemic, and I think we all knew at that point, the vaccine was there. I knew we were going to emerge from the pandemic. I guess I was feeling that this is the way women were going to want to dress, not just me, that that we were go. of course, we were going to want to start look, to look good again. Of course, we were going to be going out to restaurants and parties and all the things that we used to do. But maybe, maybe we, at least for me, I wasn't really going to want to be sort of in a little tight bandage dress that you have to lie down to zip up in my stiletto heels, that I didn't know that I could actually go back to that. Um, so fig, just the look and the feel of fig, which goes way beyond vacation. Like, yes, you can wear it on vacation, but like I'm in New York city wearing it today. Um, that it was really 365 days a year, you know, all the things that, that I like at a brand that sound cliche day to night, depending on how I accessorize it. I walk in Palm beach in flip flops and a, and a long, easy dress. And then I go out at night in a kitten heel and some, you know, big jewelry. Chic. In the same dress. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. find it chic. So, so yeah, it just felt like the right brand at the right moment. Yes, for sure. Well, I love that your your creativity, um, your design-driven kind of decisions, like, do, would you say that um, you're also kind of data-driven? Did you ask, were, were certain, I guess, components or elements about this brand appealing to you in terms of, yes, their, their growth year over year, I'm sure that matters, but also maybe their their direct sales versus their wholesale sales. Like what numbers and data were you looking at? Well, I, to be honest, like I didn't go to business school. In fact, when I speak at business schools, which I do at like Harvard or Wharton, they're always like the students I can tell are very annoyed where I'm like, I barely understand business school. I didn't have a, a business plan. They're like, that's impossible. I'm like, I'm telling you, I didn't have a business plan. I, I don't believe in them. So I, it was more gut than that. Of course, I looked at their numbers. Of course, I thought, for instance, that their uh, direct consumer and their website had an enormous amount of potential. Like I thought they weren't capitalizing on that at all, especially as we're in this pandemic. And any woman that wasn't used to shopping online had become used to it real fast. So I, I really believed in that. I knew we could revamp their website. I liked their numbers on the wholesale side. I knew they were in sort of what I would call the quote unquote right accounts, the right doors. I liked that a lot, but I saw opportunity there too. I knew that Fig was appealing to a customer as a sort of it's always summer somewhere look, but I knew I could go much further with the brand. I knew the brand could also be worn in cities. I knew the brand was much more than a summer and vacation brand and that we could get there by doing more than dresses, that we could own soft dressing, that we could do tops really easily and bottoms and separates and knits. So it was more the level of potential that I saw in this brand and in its DNA. Um, so um, that was really and then, of course, and then the intangibles, like, I personally love the brand. If I were to ask some of the most stylish friends I had, what do you think of Fig? They'd be like, oh, I love Figs. Then, start, you know, they'd start sending me snapshots from their closet of, oh, if you if you are with Fig, you must bring back this dress. It's my favorite. Or, so it oh, felt, nice. Yeah, so some of that's just anecdotal. You know, I'm not a heavily analytical person at all. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Well, it's not your first rodeo. Like, is there something no. that you were like... From your original brand, your original go around, you're like, we're not going to do this this time. 
Well, I mean, I knew that maternity, for instance, was a limited marketplace. So I was always like, I always regretted there was something great about being able to own that marketplace and being a big fish in a small pond. But I love the idea of the big pond and the big ocean of just women's apparel. That's a huge, you know, that that's huge. Um, I, I've always gone, again, just with sort of, when I started the maternity power brand, I understood that it was that time of my life. So I understood what women wanted at that time in their life because it was me and I could extrapolate from there. And I feel the same way now. I'm 55 years old. This is who this brand is targeted to people younger than me, of course, but I'm very much in the sweet spot of who buys fig. So I just feel like I had an innate understanding. And what I'm not going to do again, I guess, that I didn't have to do with Fig is, sure, since I bought the brand, I've made some of my own switches to the team. But I was really happy not to be starting a team from scratch, that there was a team in place that I could rehire, that just the building blocks were there already. So I guess that's you know what I had learned. I knew how hard it was to start from scratch, and I knew I didn't want to start from scratch. Yes. Well, you you get you got in there. What were kind of your first steps? You mentioned um, the e-commerce opportunity. Was it was it hiring um, folks who would be really focused on that and building that? Um, yeah. First my order fir- of business. Yeah. So my first hire, I, I hired back the existing team. Then I immediately hired somebody uh, to just focus on e-commerce to build out our new website uh, to make it as you know consumer friendly and shopping friendly as possible. I had never found Fig's website to be enough, shopping friendly enough. I immediately hired a chief merchant. Um, They didn't have one. Um, The design team stayed intact, but I threw myself into the design team mix. I am the creative director. That's what I've always done. Um, I think I have a good understanding, too, of the way women want to look, more from a taste perspective. I don't have a degree in fashion design, I went to Brown and majored in comparative literature. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, so I, I, I put a few pieces into place and I hired a new director of wholesale sales because I knew I wanted to go very, very aggressively um, on both the wholesale and the direct consumer simultaneously. So, you know, that that's kind of what we did almost minute one. I like it. So when it comes to wholesale partners, you mentioned you're in the Nordstrom, you're in ShopBop, I believe. We're Is that correct? Ne- you have a slightly wrong. We're in Neiman Marcus. We're in ShopBop. Uh, we're in all special, all the top specialty stores, but I'd say those are the two biggies that you would sort of know as, as chains. I mean, as, you know, as, as high end chains, but we're, we're, you know, you know, we're probably in 50 to 60 different uh, locations. So, um, you know, we feel very good about that, but we're growing every day. Um, so those were the things that we're just, you know, I wanted to be very aggressive about. Yeah. I'm hearing about the power of the specialty store. Like we, we talk about department stores a lot. Like, what can you tell me about that? Um, you're leaning more into those. I love specialty stores. I mean, again, it's in my roots when I started in fashion, you know, again, after I graduated college, 88. So in the like early 90s, specialty stores were so important. They were owner operated. I can't stand how much we've moved away from sort of the owner operated business. And these these days, nobody will care about their customer or their employees like an owner. So there are still so many great, I'd call them like almost mini empires, like owner operated specialty stores where they have three, four, sometimes five locations. Um, the owner still is involved in the buying. You'll see the owner, they'll come personally to our appointments and they'll say things like, Mrs. So-and-so would love that dress. Like they know their customers, they live for this. And I live for that too. I think to really, really, really 
be, I call us like, you know, in the schmata business, for lack of a better word, you have to love your customer. You have to know your customer. And I feel it's sad, especially at the department stores. And of course, I love our department store partners. I'm not knocking them. But you know, it's a major it's a major sort of chain of people. And does anyone actually who's buying actually ever even get on the sales floor or care about who that customer is and what she wants? I'm not so sure. So I love specialty stores because I find they are still sort of, you know, it's almost like I, I want, you know, the business of America is small business and I love small business. Yes. Well, back in your day, retail stores, your owned stores were core to the business. Um, different time. But can we expect big stores? Like, is that ultimately, it's not my first, again, the world has changed so much that you, you know, I didn't even have a website when I first started Liz Lang Returning, nor did anybody. So, um, so I want to get, I want to get our website right first and I want to get our wholesale exactly where we want it to be. And then, yes, of course, we will open boutiques flagship boutiques in the right areas at the right time. But I wouldn't say it's on 2022's agenda, um, but it's something I'm looking at in 2023 and 2024, um, definitely. But as you said, I started uh, by waiting on every single customer at Liz Lang Maternity. So I understand like customer service and being tight with your customers, like in my blood. I, I, I spent my Saturdays and Sundays when I didn't need to working on the sales floor of our New York City and our Long Island. And when I traveled to uh, Beverly Hills on in that store too, I love the customer. So I'm very involved sort of in the customer service part of our um, direct-to-consumer business. And in terms of our wholesale sales partners, along with our director of wholesale sales, I work every appointment um, with, with them. So that, you know, selling to our wholesale partners so that I understand them, their needs, what they want, what they're hearing from their customers, because that's everything. Um, yes. So, so yeah. Are they are they giving you more flexibility than maybe you were used to in the day in terms of the the drop schedule and maybe there you don't need a five hundred exclusives, <laughs> but um, compared to what you're used to. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say that's changed so much. I mean, I had a lot of power when we were Liz Lang Maternity because we were a tiny bit the only game in town, and if you wanted high end maternity. I don't mean it obnoxiously, but you kind of wanted Liz Lang. So we set a lot of our own terms. Uh, I find this is, in a weird way, more competitive because, like, we're certainly not the only, you know, we're not the only resource. It, so, um, you know, the department stores are are notorious for not being so easy. But, you know, we have very, we have excellent partnerships with Shop Up and Neiman Marcus, and we're very tied together, and I feel very fortunate. And, of course, with our specialty stores, where I really know the owners personally, those are great relationships. Um, you know, it's a little bit the more things change, the more they stay the same. What's changed in retail since I was first in the game is really is the internet and social media, but more social media, because of course I had a website at Liz Lang before I sold it. And that was always, that had become very important. It's social media. That is, is a game changer. It's the press part. That's a game changer. Uh, you know, in the past it was, it was magazines and electric media. It was, you know, we didn't have podcasts like what we're doing. That didn't exist. Um, (laughs) right. We didn't have all these influencers. The only influencer would be at a-list superstar celebrity. Like if you weren't dressing Gwyneth Paltrow, you weren't, you know, didn't matter. Like there was no, there weren't all these reality stars or people that weren't even on TV, but just had a big following on something called Instagram that didn't exist. So those are the big, that's the biggest change. Tell me where you're focusing your efforts on social media. First of all, you were talking about connecting with your community. Are are you on your Instagram, on Instagram Lives? Like, I'm sure they want to see you. That's so important to me. Yes. Yeah, so both the Fig account and my own uh, Liz Lang official account, I, 
I do them personally. I'm on them all the time, talking to the customer, responding to every comment and every DM. That, that, that's crucial. And I love it. That reminds me also, we didn't talk about it. It's not, you know, imperative, but the 10 years in between buying, acquiring Fig and selling Liz Lang, I, I spent 10 years doing home shopping network. I did a, I couldn't do maternity anymore, but I did, I did, uh, completely me by Liz Lang. I sold it on air on live TV and I loved it because that was direct. I mean, customers were calling in. It was like, you're watching the clock of sales. So I'm really into all that stuff. Oh my gosh. Are you like, hello, old news. Everybody's so excited about live streaming because they're doing it on social, but like you've been doing it forever. <laughs> I li- I think I started on Home Shopping Network in 2009. Exactly. The original live streaming. I mean, there's never dead air. You've got to fill the air. It's live, as we said. Um, you never know who's going to call and what they're going to say. So, so yeah, I, I like all this stuff. Social media comes naturally to me. And again, because it is, as you said, I like anything that gets me close to our customers. That that's that's a really symbiotic relationship for me. Yes. Well, what's worthy of your investment in terms of marketing? Is it is it the Facebook Instagram play? It's the Facebook Instagram, and of course, like everyone else, we're really getting into now TikTok and videos. But TikTok still feels I could be wrong, and I think it's just you know I'm ancient, so what do I know? TikTok still feels a little young to me. You know, like, I don't know that our customer needs to see a lot of dance videos and stuff, although my kids love all that stuff. Um, So we're really very focused on Instagram and Facebook. And I love Pinterest. But again, that's probably an age thing. I love Pinterest. And it's the way I communicate a lot with my own design team. Yes. Well, that's interesting. We just had a summit where um, we were hearing for the luxury consumer, which I would love to hear about um, whether fig, you consider it luxury. What does luxury mean to you? Because um, the word on the street with the attending executives was to reach the luxury consumer. It's They're not on Instagram. They're not on um, uh, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok. I don't know. Whatever they said is that Pinterest is where they are actually um, spending their time or where they're seeing the most success. Tell me about that. Um, and yeah, it's big luxury. Yeah, I think we're we're accessible luxury. We're affordable luxury. Um, you know, we're not we're not Gucci or Chanel. Uh, but but I think that we are we are you know. But, young designer. Yeah, I would call us luxury. I would call us luxury. Um, so yes, I guess that what you're saying resonates with me. And I wasn't at that summit. And I didn't even know that. But I'm a luxury customer. And I live on Pinterest. It's where I like to, it's, it's where I get the most aspirational images. It's where I find images that I want to then post on Instagram, both on Liz Lang official and on fig love. Um, so 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 that makes sense to me. And we are seeing you know, we our our business is doing extremely well. And we are on, you know, we're on a designer floor at Bergdorf Goodman and at Neiman Marcus, of course, online too. So, yes, I mean, I I don't, I'm not sure what the question is, but yes, I consider us luxury. And yes, you know, and sorry, go go ahead. Oh, and luxury to your shopper means easy, comfortable, like this day and age, what do they value? Well, I feel like, yes, of course, easy and comfortable, but I don't know that they would lead with that. I think that's a given. If they if they get it home and it's not comfortable, it's not easy, they will return it and it doesn't fit well. But I think they want it to be wow. I still think they want it to look special. If you're thinking of it as luxury or designer, you it's all in the details. Fig is all about the details. It's about the hand beading. It's about the hand cut tassels. It's about our special pom-poms. It's about our... You know, it's about our, 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 our thick and sort of gutsy rope ties. It's, it's about 
it's about those details. It's our prints. Um, it's our colors. Um, I think, you know, it's anything but basic. Yes. Is what well, is expected. In this time of transition, like how, how has the company fared during the pandemic? Have you been growing? Um, and yeah, have you had the chance to with, with all, like you said, changing hands, new hires, like it, well, we're, as you said, we're, it's still very new. We're not like one of those companies where the pandemic became our opportunity because uh, Fig had shut down. You know, Fig had actually shut down in the fall of 2020. Again, I observed this as a customer, not as a not as anyone that had any affiliation with Fig. Like a like a bunch of of of, of brands, sadly, uh, the, the pandemic had kind of done them in, and uh, I then stepped in. Uh, acquired the brand, installed myself as CEO and creative director and rehired their team and worked on the relaunch. But the relaunch started, you know, I'd say like a, a softly in summer of 2021. And really, I would almost say that this, you know, just these last few months have really been uh, like this, this spring season and now this summer season are really where we're beginning to see huge lifts and the effects of the work that we've been working on now for a year, because there's such a long lead time, you know, before you, like we, we work on collections a year out, you know, to, to launch a new website takes six to eight months. So we're still, our website, phase one is launched, but phase two is not. Um, so yes, yeah, so, but of course we're seeing growth, of course, but, but we're still very much on that upward trajectory. And I don't think we're anywhere near, you know, where we're going. For sure. Gosh, 2022, like, do you have specific projections? Is that too <laughs> risky to put to put any specifics around any any goals this day and age? I mean, we have goals, but because we're a small privately held company, I would never share them publicly. <laughs> but of course, we have our own, we have internal sales goals and we know where we're going. Um, I may have said, oh, I don't do business plans. But I mean, of course, we do merchandise plans and sales plans and goals and um, and advertising plans. And we've got all of it. Yes, your vision for the the e-commerce site. Uh, you're in phase one. When you're in, I don't know, phase four, fa final phase. Like, what what does it contain? What does it look like? Well, I mean, a lot of it is also the category. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm, the categories that we're going into. It's not just going to be apparel. Um, I mentioned knitwear. Fig had always been very woven space, but I really want us to get also very knit based as well. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, separates. Fig had been very dress and, as you mentioned, caftan oriented, but now we're doing really investing in bottoms and in tops. So blouses, t-shirts, pants, skirts, all of the things you to put together different looks. Um, we're we're bringing in accessories, belts shoes to a certain degree, but really more sandals, uh, bags. Um, I want uh, swim, cover-ups, tabletop. One day there'll be a whole world of fig on our website so that you're really shopping. I mean, I feel like it's overused, but a true lifestyle brand where, where the world of fig will be all represented on our, on our, you know, yeah, site. So much opportunity. Well, let's talk about, we cannot not talk about, um, your <laughs> workplace. So, um, first of all, is your team working from home? And I would think as a um, creative director, like your surroundings matter in terms of inspiring you. Let's talk about your home because great gardens, but also <laughs> the importance of having this inspiration surrounding you and, and maybe this, this, I don't know, work from home landscape or scenario we're in is working to your advantage? Well, yes and no. I, I believe in the team being together and we do have an office in New York City. So there is an office where people come together and we're getting, we're coming in, you know, more and more frequently in this sort of post-vaccine world, 
because I believe in that. I believe in the casual interactions and what becomes of them and the things that get missed when we're apart. But in, from, in terms of what you asked me and my homes, you're right. I'm very fortunate in that, you know, yes, I do own Grey Gardens in East Hampton. And I, I just finished the renovation about a year ago. We had purchased it four years ago, but it was an extensive renovation and decoration and doing the gardens. And it, as, as, as it's not surprising, just like in my clothing taste, I'm a fan of bold colors and prints and patterns. I am in my homes too. So I've got all that there and the gardens are a constant constant inspiration and as I said I also I, ha I have a house in Palm Beach where the weather there the colors there uh, the the classic way that women dress there very from like almost slim errands in the 1960s and 70s his phot photographic work a, a non-stop inspiration for me um, but even if I wasn't working from home just travel just even even New York City, even just walking around, seeing the way the women dress, you know, you, inspiration is everywhere. So, um, so yes, you know, home can be inspiration, but our office can be too. And anyone I pass on the street is as well. So there are a lot of places, but we are, you know, coming increasingly um, back to the office. Yes. As you expand in your um, more of a lifestyle brand, I, I would orig originally picture fig stores being in kind of resort destinations, but um, will that always be kind of where your happy place is? I think personally, that's my happy place. And I do think it's the brand's happy place. So I do see us starting rather than in New York City, probably starting in a, but what's cool, I mean, it's terrible to say cool, but one of the silver linings of the terrible pandemic, which was awful, is that I think different resort towns are becoming kind of year-round towns. I mean, I know that's true about, you know, Florida, like where I am in Palm Beach. It's crowded all the time now. It's not just this short season. People have moved there. People have discovered it. People love it. So I think they've become very viable um, uh, retail opportunities so, you know, the Hamptons also has a longer season, Florida, different communities in Florida. Um, uh, California interests me, Arizona interests me. It's it, like when I had Liz Lang maternity, it was all about getting my flagship boutique on Madison Avenue. That was everything. I don't think so much about that for Fig. I mean, maybe we'll have a store on Madison Avenue. I wouldn't say we wouldn't, but it's not my, it's not my first go-to when I think about Fig. So yes. Are you going to do maternity wear? Uh, I think Fig lends itself very well without changing anything. And we've always had, I mean, Meghan Markle wore Fig when she was pregnant. I was just with a woman the other day, very beautiful young woman. She was pregnant in a, one of our Fig dresses. And I thought to myself, we really should put a section on our website that is maternity, but just just dresses that lend themselves to it. I We're certainly not a brand that's all about, you know. Uh, pregnant women, although, you know, I still, of course, cheering from the sidelines and celebrate them. That was my first love and business always will be in my heart. Yes. Well, uh, last question for you, just having um, your experience in terms of being in the workplace and, and being a brand leader and seeing that, like you said, the difficulty for, for moms um, coming back to work or working at all, like, I don't know, as the leader of this brand, what can you do to really facilitate that or, or yes, make it... I guess more feasible or I don't know. Is it just striking that balance is going to be difficult? <laughs> I, mean, to I was going to say, you're not going to like my answer. I know yeah. I'm supposed to say, oh, as I said earlier, women can have it all and da da da. But frankly, like, you know, I'd love to say that our female employees could all work from home and be moms and also work and da da da. And they can. 
But at the end of the day, there's nothing that replaces that those moments together in the workplace. Nothing can replace that. I felt that way pre-pandemic. I still feel that way. It's gotten easier because of Zoom and there's more ways to do it. And I embrace that. And I certainly look for my employees to have as much flexibility in their life as they possibly can. And I want to encourage that. But I'm also balancing the needs of a growing business. And um, I think that it's, I think as women, we've really gotten pretty far dug into this idea of go, go, go. You, I've said it before and I, I just, I'm going to say it as an entrepreneur. I happen to be female, but I don't even think gender matters. Entrepreneurship requires an enormous commitment. Small, to grow a small business is a 24-7 thing. It doesn't happen otherwise. It's not a part-time job and it doesn't have to be for everyone, but it's not uh, in your free time in between baby naps and da-da-da. It just, it just, unrealistic. I, she is keeping it real, folks. I, I have to keep it real. That. I'm sorry. I'm not against women. I love women. I support women. Uh, right. But I can't, I can't tell you a lie. Um, right. And I think go any woman that's, no, built that's... A, no, no, has built a business. <laughs> if I talk secretly and privately with other female entrepreneurs, they know the truth. Uh, right <laughs> so, so there it is. But yes, sure. I mean, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever works. I hope I want to see more women able to make it all work. I definitely support that. Yes. Are you wearing um, fig today? I am. I don't know if you can see it. It's this. Oh, it looks. It's a yellow dress with all this fabulous pink and pale blue embroider, and I absolutely love it. And I'm here in New York City. I'm going to a luncheon later. I've got a bunch of meetings, and it feels perfect for all of it. Looks so cute. Well, Liz, thank you, thank you for being my guest today. This was fantastic. Loved it. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.